Welcome back to The Rookie Podcast. I'm Tavi Gevinson, and I'm thrilled that we're on to episode two. Thank you so much for all of the loving feedback in response to episode one. All of the iTunes reviews and ratings, the selfies of you listening during class, even though we totally love and support education, and other types of pixels that you sent us. We at Rookie are so happy that you liked listening to it as much as we liked making it. Today on the show, I talked to Tracy Clayton and Heaven Nagatu from one of my favorite podcasts, Another Round. A really, really big thing is do not be quiet. Do not shut up. Even if you think that nobody is listening, even if it feels like you're just screaming into a void. Actress Rowan Blanchard answers a question from a reader about getting good grades in school. You can know so much about English and like not ace the class because the systems are so different than like how our minds actually work. But first, rookie contributor Krista Burton teaches us a very important life skill, how to ask out a stranger. So pretend I just made a great segue into the topic of dating. It's terrifying to ask a stranger out. Like, do you bump into your person at a bookstore like they do in the movies? Do you just go up to them at school in front of everybody? Or do you follow them on social media to try to find out as much information about them as possible without having to talk to them in real life? Stresses me out just thinking about it. But luckily for us, rookie contributor Krista Burton is here to help in the very first installment of a segment we call Life Skills. Life Skills is where rookie contributors share their wisdom on things you can learn to make your whole life easier. Shout out to Krista for originating this concept on our site, rookiemag.com, and for the following step-by-step guide to asking out a stranger. Please help us, Krista. We need it. My name is Krista Burton and I live in Minneapolis. Today on Life Skills, how to ask out a stranger. So let's say you notice a cute new person working behind the counter at your regular coffee shop or you see a cool somebody or other at a library or a concert or a museum or a restaurant. This person is in your line of vision and suddenly it's like BAM! All of your your radiant energy is directed like a laser beam on this person who you don't even know. And you're like, oh my God, now I know what perfection looks like. You want to talk to this person, you are filled with the desire to know them. But the thing is, they might leave at any moment and you might never see this stranger again. This is your one chance in life to ask this person out. Do it. Do it. I'm here to encourage you to do it. You might be thinking, but Krista, I don't know anything about this person. What if they've got a girlfriend or a boyfriend already? What if they're gay? What if they're not gay? This is my question all the time. What if they're asexual? What if they get hit on every day? Because obviously they do. Look at them. And they're totally sick of getting hit on and want nothing more than to just be left alone in peace in public. Those are all things that might be running through your mind. Okay, guess what? I don't care. Those are all totally useless details clouding your shining and brilliant nerve. You are about to become instantly bolder because I'm gonna teach you how to ask a stranger out in the quickest, politest way possible with way fewer scary rejection possibilities than usual. You won't have to have any prior knowledge of the object of your sudden affections situation 
and the ball will stay completely in their very low pressure court, okay? Here's what you do. Step one, scan your crush or target for headphones or body language or work that they're working on. Anything that says, do not approach. Don't ever bother somebody who's wearing headphones, which are like pretty much the international sign for leave me alone. Anybody who's hunched over a book or a laptop typing furiously. Anybody who looks super busy, like a cafe worker who's got a big line. If you were working as a cafe worker, would you like it if somebody stopped and asked you out in the middle and held up your line? I mean, maybe you would. I totally would. But most people are very busy and they're slammed. And so don't do it. Respect people's body language and their space and their time. Okay, step two. If you've determined that now is possibly an okay time, gather all your stuff. Get totally ready to go. Use the restroom, I'm talking. Put your coat on, everything. Asking someone out is going to be the last thing you do before you leave this place. Step three. Find a piece of paper and a pen. Write down your name, your phone number, or your email address, and a short description of who you are and what you look like. For example, Krista, the blonde girl with cat eyeglasses who asked you out at Swim Cafe. You can reach me at kristaisawesome at fakeemail.com. Um, and that's it. Just be really brief. What you are about to do is going to be memorable, okay? Stay with me. Step four, take a deep breath and approach this dream boat. Step five. Here's where you are really brave. Smile and say, hi, my name's your whatever your name is. So in my case, hi, my name's Krista. I don't know what your situation is, but I think you're really cute. I'd love to hang out sometime if you want. Here's my info. Step six, hand them the pre-prepared slip of paper with your information on it. Smile again, just to show them, you know, that you are a, a brave and confident person who has no fear. You're smiling. Step seven vanish seriously vanishing is the secret to asking a stranger out without too much awkwardness if they try to talk to you cheerfully say something like sorry i have to go just kind of one more big smile for them and then get the hell out of there that makes it so there's absolutely no pressure on your new crush to respond to you they have a way to contact you because you gave them a slip of paper if they're interested they'll get in touch and if they aren't who cares no harm done and no feelings invested Guys, this really works. It really does. I have been doing it for years, and I've also taught this to pretty much every shy friend I've ever had, and it gets excellent and sometimes even astonishing results. Go get them, killer. That was rookie contributor Krista Burton teaching us how to ask out people we don't know. We're going to start doing it all over the place. And if you take her advice and you end up with a date, let us know how it goes. Send us a voice memo or an email at podcast at rookiemag.com. We'll be back with more Rookie after this break. Tracy Clayton and Heaven Nagatu are the hosts of one of my favorite podcasts, Another Round. They discuss everything from pop culture and self-care to race and gender with a palpable best friend dynamic that I like to live through vicariously. I started listening to another round around the time it launched in 2015 and have loved their interviews with everyone from Lin-Manuel Miranda to Hillary Clinton to Queen Latifah. 
I could go on and on. I recommend all of them. So I wanted to interview Heaven and Tracy. We talked about what they were like as teenagers, feeling out of place in college, late night depression tweets, and meeting the Obamas. As with last week, there are some swear words in this episode, so maybe don't, like, listen at 100% while babysitting a small child. Or a parrot. Here's my interview with Tracy Clayton and Heaven Nigatu. I'm here with Heaven and Tracy from another round. Excellent. Thank you. (laughs) Say no more. Um, We come with our own sound effects. (laughs) I'm so excited. I'm also very intimidated because you're such good interviewers. Aww. Thanks. I'm going to (laughs) go. Bye. Talk amongst yourselves. It's just going to be me and Tracy. We own this podcast now. (laughs) Great. Welcome. Welcome to the Ricky Podcast with Heaven and Tracy. Yes. (laughs) That sounded so great. (laughs) I'm going to jump right in. Let's start. With the teen years. The what teen years. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no. Because it's rookie. <laughs> uh, what were teen Evan and Tracy like? Oh, man. Teen Tracy was a bore. A really? bore? Yeah. I'm a very late bloomer. So I wasn't doing all the stuff that regular teens were doing back in the day. Like What were regular teens doing? Hanging I don't out. Shit. <laughs> breaking curfew. <laughs> experimenting with drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Or at least, like, going on a date. Or, like... Being outside mm-hmm. for a long time, mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't do those. Leaving things. the house, right? <laughs> Not having anxiety attacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, I just read books and watched TV and talked to my three friends. Great. <laughs> Sounds like the thing I'm kind of constantly trying to do more of now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be like Teen Tracy. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Only cooler somehow. Um, already pretty cool. <laughs> I feel like I was a very surly teen, I think. It surly. Comes <laughs> that is a good word. Uh, I did a lot of, like, reading mm-hmm. and watching TV. Like, that's literally all I did. I didn't particularly care for the people I went to high school with. Sounds Does like anybody? a surly teens <laughs> <laughs> every day, you know. Uh-huh. Surly teens unite, etc. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I remember my sister was like, I feel like you didn't realize how much you had a different experience with, like, even in the same school than I had, mm. just in our teen years. Mm-hmm. She was like, you... <laughs> I always thought she was the outgoing one. And then she was like, you were the outgoing one. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff like that. Ooh, it's really weird when those switcheroos happen, because you, like, tell yourself a story about, like, where you fall in your high school and whatever. Right, you have this whole mm-hmm. image of yourself. Yeah. Someone emailed me. I was class president. <laughs> Oh my! Where are you, you really were outgoing? Uh, um, staying you inside. To not and... be outgoing if you were class president. I hated people, but okay. I was good at pretending to like them. Okay, I think that counts as mm. outgoing. <laughs> Hardly an outgoing something. makes. <laughs> it counts as something. Though. Uh, do you? Are there any beliefs you held really strongly as a teenager that you don't agree with at all now? Ooh, Ooh. that's a good question. Um, I feel like I cared a lot about, like, being called a bitch, and I just don't care anymore. Interesting. At all. Yeah. Or other women calling other people bitches. I just truly do not care. Yeah. Mm. Or, like, the N-word. I feel like I cared more about it then. Now I'm just like, I feel like there was, there was a point <laughs> in my life where I tried to, like, when I was, like, first waking up before, mm-hmm. like, wokeness was a thing. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, this word hurts. No, 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 no. But then I was like, I don't really feel that way. Mm-hmm. And so I let that go. So similar. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like specific, I feel like when you're trying to establish how you feel about the world or just like what you're okay with, things like 
language or like really explicit symbols for like how you feel mm-hmm. and then uh, then later you're like you make more room for nuance or something you're like uh it depends on right. the situation or yeah or like sure i can listen to a rap song and also hate some of the lyrics right blah, yes. blah, blah. it's not that deep you <laughs> you know you learn how to think complexly about things yeah. versus mm-hmm. than just black and white yeah no i remember being like how can i like this art that's so fucked up being like a big thing yeah. in my head. And then now it's just like, well, it's called being alive. Yeah. Oh, it is called being alive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can tell you one thing I, that's Please. changed. I subscribed to Time Magazine. Wow. Never again. Oh. <laughs> no, when I, you I were a teen? Back yeah. Then. When I was a teen, I was like, let me be informed. Wow. I got that as like, a, it's. I think t- magazine subscriptions are great gifts because mm. mm-hmm. it's like $20 and you get it for a year and it's like a thing that a person is interested in you can share whatever mm-hmm. blah 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 and it's updated continuously mm-hmm. so fun gift it's a gift that keeps on giving uh-huh. right literally. so I got that for myself for a Christmas <laughs> gift because that's oh the God. kind of teen I was class president with a subscription to, to Time. Time Magazine Kevin <sighs> I have no idea who you are now <laughs> I was a nerd I was also an ROTC oh that I knew uh Air Force Junior ROTC. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah. I have a picture of me in like a little cadet outfit. Oh my it's adorable. God. It's the That's cutest so thing. Cool. Staff sergeant. Yeah. I, I didn't do anything in high school. I don't think right. I was in a single club or like mm-hmm. in a, anything. I was painfully introverted. So anything <sighs> that would make me like interact with people, I was like, oh, I'm okay. Yeah. No thanks. No thanks. Are there any fears you held to very strongly as a, a teen that have kind of like gone away with? adulthood yeah i'm not afraid of people anymore (laughs) great (laughs) thankfully Mm -hmm. uh and i mean that's something i think and like when i say i was introverted i mean like if i didn't like a a good week for me is like not having to see anybody Mm -hmm. you know i still get like that way sometimes but i remember being uh it was senior year high school and it's weird because i feel like i can pinpoint the moment that i decided to stop caring about what my like classmates and my peers thought mm-hmm. was getting close to graduation and it was in some class and they were like teaching us how to like interview like we had to come in dressed up Ooh. and like business casual and sit down and like interview for some fake job in front of like our entire class mm-hmm. and at some point like i don't have like a story behind it i was just like I'm not going to see these people ever again, so it doesn't matter, like, if I go up here and make a fool of myself. It doesn't matter if I go up here and say, oh, I plan on being, like, a blah 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 and then mm-hmm. I leave and, like, I'm a failure or whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm not going to see y'all anymore. Yeah. Um, but I was an English major throughout high school and college because, like, my commitment to not speaking in public was so strong <laughs> that I was like, I got to do something for a living. If I write, I don't have to speak. Mm-hmm. And so that was it. And so it's so weird now thinking that, like, I speak for a living because yeah. if you would have asked my mom, if you would have asked me in junior, senior high school, if this is what I'd be doing, I would just laugh in your face for a really long time. It's crazy. I mean, other than when you've talked about it on the show, I would have never thought that you were that way when you were younger mm-hmm. or, or still consider I yourself. I know. It's, it's pretty shocking. Yeah. There's a picture I was like maybe seven or eight, maybe nine or ten. And I was at a kid's birthday party, like some cousins, like five, six year old cousins. And we're at a birthday party and like somebody had just broken a pinata and there was candy all over the place. And in this picture, all the kids are excited and smiling. But I am glued to my mother's side. Just like not. I remember I didn't want to go. I was kind of freaked out about it. Yeah. But yeah, when people when people like 
are introduced to me via the podcast, mm-hmm. they're just like, there's no way that you were like a shy kid. And I was right. like, I was probably like inches from therapy, honestly. <laughs> right. Inches from therapy. You know, uh-huh. I mean, if I was my mom, I'd have been like, listen, <laughs> we got to get this kid someplace to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Heaven, you've talked a lot about imposter syndrome. I am basically uh, like a human corny vision board. So I have a lot of like shorthand mottos I like mm. tell myself when I'm like in the moment. And I'm wondering if you have anything like that that you use to squash imposter syndrome hmm. when you're like actually in the room feeling like you don't belong. Hmm. Well, when I was, I honestly, I, 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 I like professionally strive to get to like teen me because <laughs> uh-huh. I was just so much more confident, cared so much less about other people. Uh, that's also like that. This was the before therapy times. This is the before my real understanding of mental health shit and what it takes for mm-hmm. me to be like energized and around humans and all yeah. that stuff. And what are the factors that make me feel insecure in a space? So like this is a before a real understanding of that. I was impressed by just how much I could just go out and be like, no. Mm-hmm. My, my motto was never settle for less. <laughs> and I never did. I was like, fuck y'all. Great. Do what I want. Get what I want. And now I don't feel that as strongly, and I wish I did. <laughs> so I, I do kind of tell myself the same things I, tell, I told teen me, mm-hmm. which is like, don't settle for less. And what you have to say is worth saying. And mm-hmm. really basic things that are just like, uh, you cannot be the only human feeling this. Like, yeah. don't think you're so unique that this is a, only a thing that affects you. Mm-hmm. You ain't special. Exactly. <laughs> All these things that are just like, get over yourself, get over right. yourself. Remember yeah. what teen heaven would have said in right. this moment is basically my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I I do that a bit, too, because I'm, I'll am i be like, I'm afraid of X, Y, Z. And then I'm like, somehow I had the nerve when I was a kid to, like, stuff. Be like, do stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> that was exactly what I sounded like. Yes. <laughs> My ideas. Um, I also like, so I'm not in college, but like my friend who is, is like the most encouraging thing is like the number of useless things that come out of the mouths of like white boys in class. Cause Absolutely. then you're like, Oh, that's the bar. Mm-hmm. So Life's energizing. Kind of I yeah. love. I love me a low bar. I love seeing a low bar in the wild. I'm like, oh, this is out here. What we doing? This is what we are doing out here in these streets. Right. It's really energizing. Thank you, yeah. Donald Trump. Uh, yeah. It's so energizing. But right. it's also frustrating for me, too, though, because I know that their bar is low, but mine is not. Like, right. I, like if I open my mouth to speak, I just can't, like, fart into a microphone and be patted on the back for it. Right. Like Donald Trump can do. <laughs> yeah. You know? So it's, it's at once it's inspiring to see. Yeah. It's once it's at once inspiring to see that, like, oh, this is the requirement for, like, good art or good, like, literature, whatever it is that you're making. But then it's, like, the whole Olivia Pope thing. Like, okay, <laughs> his bar is literally, like, Sub like subterranean. Yes, that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but mine is like you know. Yeah, right? it doesn't. It doesn't. It, it's still frustrating, but it makes me feel less crazy. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. oh, okay. Well, regardless of how hard this is going to be, just know you are at least better than that low ass bar. Yeah, right. Like don't get shook. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tracy, you've talked a bit on the show about going to a college that was really proudly white mm-hmm. and not just white but Confederate. Oh, my. Where was it? A special type of white. This is in Lexington, Kentucky. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice for any listeners who are, like, just starting in 
a school like that and feel mm-hmm. marginalized? Uh, first of all, I see you and I hear you. Right, you're sorry. not crazy. You're not crazy. <laughs> That's the thing. Like when you're someplace where there's only one or two or like a handful of you. And on my campus, out of 1,100 students, maybe maybe 20 were black. Whoa. And that was a school record. Uh, like the most, the biggest number of black kids on campus. It was a school record. The school was founded in 1780, okay? And when you're in a situation like that, and you know, and you're like in class and somebody like says something to you or like somebody looks at you a certain way and you're just like, Am I, did, was that offensive? Like that, I'm offended by that. Should I be? And like there's nobody to like check your experience against, like somebody who speaks your language and knows your references and just like lives the same life, that shit will really make you think that you are a crazy person, an Mm -hmm. insane person. Mm -hmm. So the thing to remember is just like Kevin said, you are not crazy. You're not crazy. It's also just draining to have to always think about that. Like, I got work to do, I got class. And to always try to explain yourself, yeah. Beyond that, you have to look, like if your immediate surroundings are not feeding and nourishing you, you got to look elsewhere to get that nourishment. And for me, I was lucky because I was still like less than 100 miles away from Louisville, which is where I grew up. So I could like go home and see like black people on the mm-hmm. weekends when I needed to. <laughs> but beyond that, like the internet became like, that's how I met a lot of people who were like to this day are like really, really close friends of mine because I literally had to get on the internet to find black people to talk to. Yeah. Which was sad because you shouldn't have to outsource black people <laughs> in your own like state or your city but also like it exposed me not only to like other black people but like other types of black people that you know I mean like in Lexington everybody there is from Kentucky you know like right. I met people who were like from the east coast and had like these New York accents and I'm like what is oh my gosh who are these people um, so find it supplement it somehow and a really really big thing is do not be quiet do not shut up even yeah. if you think that nobody is listening even if it feels like you're just screaming into a void because colleges love to ignore you when you have valid complaints Mm-hmm. Whenever you're pointing out something that could make them look bad or lose money, they will try to shut you up immediately. Do not shut up. If they won't listen to you on campus, go to the internet. Get you a blog. Do some tweets. Get something. you a blog. <laughs> yes, something. But, I mean, that's how these institutions stay so white and male, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, people are not putting pressure on them to get them to change. So, they're going to want to shut you up. Don't let them. You're like a paying customer. You should get Absolutely. like your money's worth. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. I was just also like, don't is... lower your bar. Yeah, right. I was like, this is my home for four years. Basically, I should be able to like feel safe in my backyard, and yeah. I don't. And nobody was taking it seriously. I... Never settle for less. Never. That's the title. I can see it now <laughs> on iPhones across the world. I was just listening to your interview with Jordan Peele mm-hmm. about Get Out, and you talked about how like that feeling of being made to feel crazy because other people don't see mm-hmm. whether it's mental illness, anxiety, or racism, as you were just talking about. You were talking about those things feeling like the same kind of mass gaslighting. Yeah. Um, I feel like one of the questions we get the most is like, my parents don't really think anxiety or depression are real. Mm-hmm. I know it's a heavy question, but do you have any advice for someone in that situation? I find so much comfort in books. Like, I think reading about depression is not as depressing as it sounds. <laughs> I'm reading a really large, giant, enormous book called An Atlas of Depression. It's wow. a doorstopper. Wow. Oh, my. 
But I, it's so comforting to have the language and the words to just share these experiences, to see what other people have gone through, mm-hmm. to see like just decades long worth of research, but also like have real human perspectives in there. Mm-hmm. So it's like an academic so discussion it's, of it's a depression? mix of um, this this guy's writing it, so it's a little more accessible than academic stuff. Mm-hmm. But the whole point is that there's a lot of research, and there's a lot we do not know about basic things like. Uh, like what causes suicide mm. mm-hmm. is a is actually a really really difficult question in the depression community, mm-hmm. and suicide is really not understood as well as people think it is. Mm-hmm. So thinking through stuff like that really just gives you perspective about like what you're dealing with and what yeah. other even just hearing other people's suicidal thoughts. I know mm-hmm. that sounds kind of wild, but like it grounds you a little. It's about being like validated and seen and yeah. confirmed. Having like- other people confirm your reality when mm-hmm. you are dealing with the mental health stuff is the the most nourishing thing mm-hmm. and to get that from a book and to have something to share with other people yeah. mm-hmm. to recommend to your family when they don't get it it's just so helpful it makes me feel so good mm. and like on social media have you found that that's like a good resource for finding other people mm-hmm. in that way yeah i feel like the internet is such a good way to to find that comfort yeah because so many people like use like social media instagram twitter is like kind of like a live action journal sort of Mm -hmm. and when you know using that a tweet it's like oh my gosh i'm feeling like i'm feeling sad and i have absolutely no reason to feel this way Mm -hmm. somebody else can find it and be like oh my gosh me too i know what that feels like and then like that is like that is a thing. That is like a hug from the inside yeah. for me. I used to be sending out a lot of those late night depression tweets. I still <laughs> do, girl. So comforting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I also love it when like I'm able to share some knowledge that I've gained from my own experience with depression or with anxiety mm-hmm. and therapy and meds. And I'm just like, hey, you know, I know it's like if you are somewhere and you're feeling this way, I know that feeling. It's okay. Hang in there. You're, you don't beat yourself up for feeling this way. Mm-hmm. And to have people be like, oh, my gosh, I needed to see that right at this exact moment. It makes me feel like all of the, like, horrible nights and years that I have spent weren't completely in vain because now somebody else is, like, learning from what I went through. And, like, there's some good being put out in the world yeah. because of it. And it it just makes me feel a little less crazy. I feel like there's a lot of, like, social media stuff about, like, being an introvert and mm-hmm. social anxiety as almost a meme instead mm-hmm. of, like, a, no, this is what generalized social anxiety disorder right. is. <laughs> yeah. And this is how it manifests in parties. And I'm right. not just like, well, doo do Yeah. Like, this is just the girl you don't want to talk to. You don't have anything. Right. You just have an attitude, and it's fine. And that's fine. And that's fine. I remember, I think it was Tyler, the creator, who was saying something like, like, being sad is not fun, it's not jokes, and, you know, like, right. t- you can't just sort of generalize that kind of thing mm-hmm. and to, ma- to make it just, like... Relatable content. Relatable. Relatable mm-hmm. is a good word. Yeah. 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 Hashtag relatable. Yeah. Tyler said, being sad is not tight. <laughs> I Deep. just I just wish people would understand that being sad that being sad shit is not cool. It's negative and it sucks. Mm, and I right. feel like that's real. Don't yeah. be out here doing it for the retweets. Right. Yeah. This it's, shit is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's different from like I have a date with Netflix. <laughs> right. Like I can't get out of bed. <laughs> I love guacamole. <laughs> yeah, shit like that. <laughs> and I I genuinely genuinely appreciate people who are on social media sharing those things. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um like Tumblr is a great space to find recovery communities for Tumblr a lot has of some these of the things. Best, like 
self-help groups I've ever seen in and my just life. Just to have like those affirmations in your feed, just yeah. like every now and then pop up. Oh, even if God it's somebody bless. just being like, I, I get this. I understand this feeling. Yeah. yeah. Just like, yeah, somebody sees me. And even if it's corny, love that corny shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's helpful. I, I subscribe to a lot of corny shit on Tumblr. Oh, good. It's so good. <laughs> Care sometimes, to recommend a couple? Honestly, sometimes I feel like I appreciate a thing on Tumblr that I would roll my eyes at on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> mm, the format makes a difference. It does. Though. It kind All of does. About the medium. <laughs> yeah. No, but like there are Tumblr's like recovery is beautiful where uh-huh. they just like, you know, it can be sometimes like a little, like, a little corny message with like sure. nice cute little flowers. I'm just saying embrace corny. Sometimes yes. you need the corny affirmations. Sometimes what you need. And if it works, it works. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. On that lovely note, Tracy, you wrote a piece for BuzzFeed a couple of years ago called When Taking Anxiety Medication is a Revolutionary Act. Mm-hmm. And I, like many people, found it very helpful. Oh. I'm medicated. And you talk <laughs> about that moment of intense anxiety that's eased by remembering you've been okay before, mm. you can be okay again. Mm-hmm. Okay, curveball <laughs> slash genuine question. <laughs> what if your brain is like, Uh, Yeah, Tavi. I mean, Tracy. That was before. But in this cool new anxiety attack, you discovered a previously unearthed layer of the dark truth about your life and you can't unsee it. So whatever ease you felt before was actually a farce. And this is your new reality, thoughts? (laughs) Well, it's a farce. (laughs) That is a great question. (laughs) In the interest of transparency, I should say that that um, my medicine that I'm taking helps me from these particular moments and spaces. I remember, like, still having to, like, deal and contend with, okay, like, I know I can deal with last week's thing, but this thing is the thing that's, like, actually going to kill me. I think that that really is staged by my medicine that I'm taking right now. That being said, um, and speaking of corny things, uh, I have some mantras slash mantras however you say it (laughs) that I actually like employ in moments of like okay I really I cannot get off of this couch I'm not gonna be okay I'm not Mm. gonna make it because I still do have those moments absolutely um and the one thing that has been consistent throughout my life other than my anxiety is like the relief of it at some point like Mm. I go through really really tough shit I've been like like down and like okay like there's no way that I can get up from this but I mean sure is like the sun comes up every day so does my like mood and my spirit eventually you know like mm-hmm. it I, it maybe I don't realize it when it's happening what it usually is is that like I fucked up my meds and that's why I'm like having this moment and then right. I'm back on my meds and like I'm evening out and I'm just like okay I did it again but I do think often of the times before I was medicated, like back when I was in high school and had no idea that I had generalized anxiety disorder and I thought I was just a fuck up. Mm-hmm. And I think about that time where I had no help, no anything. And I was like, but I got through that somehow. Like I think about like the worst time in my life and I'm like still here. Mm-hmm. And for me, like that usually helps me to it doesn't make me less anxious. It just lets me know that I'm not going to lay down and die. Uh-huh. <laughs> like unless I like make unless I choose to do that, which I thankfully have not so far. So that's the thing that I tell myself. I learned that from you. You've never not made it through the day. Yeah. and like Just reminding yourself that. That's a thought that I have so often, like, ugh, I can't do it. I can't make it through. Like, I'm never going to make it to Friday. And then, like, I'm just like, well, 
I made it through last Friday. I didn't think I was going to do it, you know? So maybe this Friday. That's why I at the end of every too. episode we say we made it. Because it, it really feels, feels like, like we <laughs> survived something. Yeah. You know, it really, really does. Um, and another thing that I tell myself, so I was a Buddhist for two months. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> it was really meaningful for me. Um, but one of the things that, um, and, like, when I say I was a Buddhist for two months, I mean that I read half of Buddhism wow. for two months. Wow. I'm not joking. I was, I was looking for something. Okay, you just said not to feel bad about the corny stuff. But um, it really changed the way that I think about myself in relation to, like, the rest of the world and the earth. And, like, there's this idea that, like, you are made, like, your body is made of the exact same things that, like, the stars in the sky are made mm-hmm. out of. Like, everything on this earth is made and comprised of the same elements and the same things. So it's scientifically impossible that something can be, like, greater or more powerful than you are, you know? Like, right. just, and it just sort of, like, helps put me in perspective with, like, okay, like, my problems are really, really huge and they're tough. But whatever they are, they're made of the same stuff that I'm made out of. You know, so like I at least have like the potential to like stand up against this thing, right? You know, because we're made of the same stuff as stars, literally. Oh my god! And it's kind of corny, but it it helps. You know, it really helps. That's real. Yeah. My friend always says, um, "Time is passing all the time," Mm. and it wasn't my friend; it was me. But I didn't. Um, <laughs> you better I quote yourself, it. Tommy. Yes, you better quote, quote yourself. But I'm like, you can't stop it. It's happening yeah. all the time. Yeah. Friday will come. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, oh, I'm sorry. This is another thing that I learned when yeah. I was a Buddhist for two months. Oh my God. <laughs> the idea of impermanence mm. really kind of fucked me up at first because, mm. like, the whole thing is just like, you know, nothing's permanent, nothing's going to last. I'm like, why do I want a constant reminder that I'm going to die one day and that, like, everything that I sure. love is going to end? But the thing is, the way that you look at it is, like, if you remember that everything is impermanent, it helps you to get through the tough times easier because you just, I say to myself, okay, I'm having a tough time, but like literally like scientifically it cannot last because nothing can last. Mm-hmm. My only job is to like stay here and like literally like if I can't do anything else, just breathe and the act of me breathing is going to keep me here long enough for this thing to pass because mm-hmm. it has to. So it does that. And then it makes me appreciate the good times even more because it's just like, you know, I love making this show with heaven. And it's like, well, nothing's permanent. And I'm like, mm, you're right. So let me really, like, enjoy the fuck out of this mm. while I can. So another mantra that you taught me, I think, uh, is just reminding yourself to be kind to yourself. Yeah. But especially by saying it as if you are a friend of yours. Mm-hmm. Be nice right. to my friend heaven. Be nice to my friend heaven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You would never say that about a good friend of yours. Yeah. Be as nice to yourself as you are to the people you love. Great answer. Okay. (laughs) I guess we have to... Wait. Oh. What happened? (laughs) How were the Obamas? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I was so overwhelmed I forgot to shake Michelle Obama's hand. That's true. That was wild. the dopest part is that when Heaven forgot to greet the first lady... Oh, my God. We were all, like, in in formation. Shout out to Beyonce. Like, getting ready to take the picture. And the first lady reached over me and she was like, wait, what's your name? Like, it was so important to her. I'm so sorry. I forgot about this part. It was so important to her that she, like got a chance to look in heaven's eyes and like shake her hand and know her name and I was like I just want y'all Yo. to adopt me I love my mom she's cool <laughs> but I love y'all in like a special way it was crazy oh, it was beautiful, beautiful. Uh, it was beautiful I didn't believe that we it was gonna happen like even as we were in line so I was just like some, a meteor's gonna fall as soon as it's our turn it's just not gonna happen 
but the meteor didn't fall. I am cheesing in that photo. Yes, yes so and you big. Both, how'd you so figure big. out what to wear? Okay, separate podcast about <laughs> that moment in time. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yes. you guys so much. Oh, Thank you for yes. I love Ricky so much. I'm so glad I got to do this. Yes, this Thanks. is a joy. Shout out to the Surly Teens. <laughs> Surly Teens Unite! Listen to another round. Hey. Follow us on other things. That was Tracy Clayton and Heaven Nagatu, hosts of one of my favorite podcasts, Another Round. If you haven't already checked it out, go subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. After the break, actress Rowan Blanchard answers one of your questions. Don't go anywhere. Or I guess you can keep going because this is probably in your headphones, but don't exit the podcast. Ask a Grown started out as a feature on our website, RookieMag.com. You send us a question about crushes or teachers or the meaning of life, and a grown-up friend of Rookie answers it. Occasionally, we do skip the whole grown-up thing, like this week, where we put one of your questions to a fellow teen, Rowan Blanchard. Rowan is the star of Disney Channel's Girl Meets World, where she played Cory and Topanga's daughter, Riley. She also wrote an excellent piece for our site about how she learned to love and accept herself called Sorry Not Sorry. Let's get to it. Ask a... Ask a grown? Uh, ask a Rowan? Ask a Rowan. Ask a fellow teen. <laughs> ask a, fellow, ask a teen. fellow teen. This is from M, who's 16 and lives in St. Louis. I have been known as the smart, straight-A student for my whole life. This past school year, though, almost ended my streak of perfect grades, but I still managed to end up with all A's, with a lot of hard work and stress. And then it's the emoji that's, like, closed eyes pointing towards each other and, like, <laughs> concerned eyebrows. You know what I mean? Little, like, less than, greater than signs. Okay. Um, <laughs> I signed up to take an advanced English class this upcoming year, and I've heard that it is an incredibly difficult class. English is my passion, but I still can't help but feel anxious about it. How do I stop putting pressure on myself to live up to the perfect student stereotype? Oh my gosh, I feel this so hard. You do? So in sixth grade, I was like that teacher's pet student that was like always the A student, always did the extra credit. And then in sixth grade, for the first time, I got a D because I didn't study. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. And so we got a D. I got a D because I didn't study. Because it was like the the weekend before my dog had died and it was just like horrible times. I like how I'm still trying to like make it like it wasn't my fault. I got a D. And I took it I t- okay, so like you took you you take the test and then you have the other students grade it and the other student handed it back to me and she was like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but you got a D. So I took it from her and I hid it from her and I put it in my backpack and I went home that day and I tried to make it so like the teacher wouldn't realize that I hid the test from oh, him. No. So then I got in so much more trouble for that. Right. But I still feel that way. Like if I don't get. 90% at least on everything then mm-hmm. like am I even a good person oh yeah um, yeah you don't have to be perfect to be loved yeah or to be a good friend or a, even a good student it's also like so you can know so much about English and like not ace the class totally. because the systems are so different than like how our minds actually work absolutely yeah And what I would like to know about M is, like, who she could be if 
she didn't try to be perfect. Yeah. I think by trying to kind of check all the boxes and be perfect in this one definition of it, you could miss out on, like, all these other things you could also be that are inside of you. Yeah. So I would say broadening your definition of success to not be about being a prodigy or getting straight A's. The success is in being a good person. I have found it very helpful to read or listen to or watch interviews with all kinds of people from all kinds of professions. Yes. And, you know, some of them did poorly in high school. Some of them dropped out. Some of them didn't uh, make their first film till they had already started a family. Like, yeah, I think it's so important, like what you were saying about having so many different idols or so many different people that you can admire because if like they're all if it's one person then all you're gonna do for your life is just try to be like that one person totally so like if you have like 15 different people that are so vastly different yeah then you can see how there's so many different interpretations of success and so many different versions of it and how all of these people are so talented but in such different ways Look, I'm just going to get real. Something my therapist says to me is you don't have to be perfect to be loved. And I think that (laughs) realizing that, like, it's not in a way having, like, success young and never failing in some major way could be kind of like having straight A's and then living in fear of, like, getting a B. I feel like it's not about being so perfect that you never have anything that could be considered a failure, but just... Being able to be, like, to live your life so that if you were to, quote-unquote, fail, Mm -hmm. it would not be the end of the world. Mm -hmm. Failure teaches you a lot. A B is not a failure. No. I I hope for this person that um, their kind of definition of of intelligence can sort of, uh, will evolve in the next few years and... And maybe it won't mean getting perfect grades. Yeah, well, that's that's definitely something that helped me was broadening my definition of yeah. intelligent or what it means to be smart. I so, M, yeah. you're going to get M, through it. You're going to you do it. You got this. You got it. Your horizons will broaden. <laughs> this I'm was so fun. Me. Thank you for coming on and for, for doing rookie stuff. And we just love you. I love you, oh. guys. And you. And <laughs> the rookie and the people. And yeah. The people. Oh, the the people. Thank you for listening. Thank you, the people. (laughs) That was Rowan Blanchard answering a question from a rookie reader about being an overachiever in school. If you are at a crossroads in your own life and you want some advice, you can submit a question by email to youaskedit at rookiemag.com. That's Y-O-U-A-S-K-E-D-I-T at rookiemag.com. Be sure to include your first name or nickname, your age, and your location. If you'd like to hear your voice on the Rookie Podcast, you can record yourself on your phone or computer. Just keep it super short, like a minute max, and email it to us at podcast at rookiemag.com. Thanks so much for listening to the Rookie Podcast. We'll be back next week with more, including an interview with Olympian fencer Ibtihaj Muhammad, who taught me all about being a badass. I genuinely feel like I don't need anyone else to tell me that I can be great. I'm like, I know that I can because I, I, I know how hard I can work for things that I want. That's next week. I'm your host, Tavi Kevinson. 
If you like The Rookie Podcast, please give us a rating and review the show on iTunes. I know that sounds generic, but it actually helps the show a lot when the iTunes section is glowing. And then after you do that, if you still want to spread the word, you can do something subtle and chill, like um, changing the name of your Wi-Fi network to listen to The Rookie Podcast or else. Um, It should make your neighbors feel very safe and known. When you make stuff on the internet, it can feel a little bit like shouting into a void, so it just helps us to know what you're into about the show and what and who you'd like to hear next. So let us know. You can find us at RookieMag.com, RookiePodcast.MTV.com, and at RookieMag on Twitter and Instagram. I, your host, am on Twitter and Instagram at TaviTool, that's T-A-V-I-T-U-L-L-E. Plus, check out podcasts.mtv.com and at MTV Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram for more shows from the MTV Podcast Network. This episode of Rookie was produced by Mukta Mohan, Michael Catano, Kasia Mihailovich, and James T. Green for the MTV Podcast Network. Thanks to Lauren Redding for making the Rookie podcast happen, and to Lena Singer for picking advice questions. Thanks to Maria Inez Gull for the portraits and doodles, to Cynthia Merhedge for Rookie's logo, to Hattie Stewart for the logo doodles, and to Beth Heckel for the jewels.